Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 54. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how we might have lost sight that Jesus's way is actually better. Hey, and my name's George. It is so good to be here with you this week, and I want to talk a little bit about how religion tends to be transactional, where relationship uh, really requires and needs transparency. Yeah, all that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to episode 54 of Tangible Takeaways. Pastor George, thank you so much for taking the time. It's so great. Last time I was sitting in that seat, you were having a, you know, out with a baby. A little bit of the pressure's off, you know, and now you just get to answer the questions. Hey, I like it when you're there and I'm over here, so much better. No, I'm happy to be back. It's been fun tracking along with this playlist series, and it's just been fun to, on one side, just to really think about how impactful music is in our life. You know, music has this ability it's a space where we go to express ourselves even when we're not the ones writing the music we're listening to other artists music and saying man i really resonate with that and we just feel like we're able to express ourselves in it and man the psalms just such a great the songbook of god's people a great spot for us to see um really biblical examples of how to handle our different emotions Um, because every emotion we have has been given by God. There's just, there's biblically honoring ways that we can handle them. So it's been a refreshing series that way and it's just been fun to reflect on some of the power of song. Right. I resonate so much because I'm a music guy. Yeah. I love music and I even have playlists that I have for me and my wife. And they're just different songs, different music that reminds us of things we both love and yeah. memories that we both share. And so it's just been, I like the way that we position the Psalms in that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it does. It's so powerful. It can transport you back to a season in your life or it can transport you back to a relationship or a season even in your relationship with your wife. Right. You know, I think about all the music that was played at my wedding is like, those are things that I vividly, they bring me back to that moment. You know, like there's just something very powerful about that. Yeah, so true. I just wish I could remember back to what the music was that was played at my wedding, but that was a You're few like, years. Maybe the connection might be there. But it's not, yeah, it's yeah. not there. No, that's good. And and I think, you know, coming to this psalm, this is, um, man, one of the most transparent mm-hmm. psalms that we have in all of the psalms, I would say. One of the ones that really, I think if you were, if you were the one writing it, you would maybe feel a little insecure knowing that other people were going to be able to see what was written down in this psalm. It's a... Uh, well, and, and there's this, this almost guttural transparency that's hard for all of us. And I recognize maybe being that transparent isn't easy in every single relationship, but we need to have some of those relationships where we can be that honest yeah. and say, this is how I am feeling about this situation. This is what's going through my head. Even even if it is is almost just as, I don't want to use the word awkward, but just that authentic for yeah. what this uh, the psalmist is thinking. And the Psalms, George, are so encouraging that way because yeah. you realize like, I don't have to hide the reality of what I am actually feeling from God. I think knows. we live in this weird world where it's almost like we're trying to spare God from our problems or our feelings. And so we're like, oh, well, I feel frustrated about this, but I'm not going to say anything. Right. And we just kind of become this like kind of fake version of ourselves around church, around God, because we don't want to bug him or something. 
And it's like, man, I, I don't know how we've missed the point. Like the whole point is that that's the most transparent relationship that you'll ever have. Right. He knows exactly what's going on with you. Um, and I, I tell our young adults often, man, fake people meet a fake Jesus. If you're going to pretend that everything's all right, then mm. you're not going to meet Jesus. Can I write it, that down? It's when, it's when you're real. That's when you meet Jesus, right? right? Like it's when we have this moment that Asaph has where it's like, I'm a mess right now. And I, I know I'm not seeing it right, but this is where I'm at. And Jesus meets us in those spaces. So cool. And I, and I do think some of my po most powerful times in my own prayer life, when it's me and the Lord, is when I've just admitted, you know, God, I am frustrated. And I don't understand. Yeah. And, and I don't get it. And I even want to know, I'm a, I, I want to be very honest to say right now, I think I'm hurt. Yeah. And I'm, you know, super frustrated and almost feel like, you know, I need some sort of explanation. Yeah. Which working through it like we did through the psalm, you recognize, no, God doesn't owe me that. But I, I think it's honest and okay to say this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even George, like I've I've had these powerful moments before in my walk where I've come back to the Lord and I've said, Lord, I know that this was wrong, but I don't feel like repenting. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not there right yeah. now. And then the spirit meets me in that moment and helps me get there. Right. But I think if we just go on trying to pretend and pretend and pretend like everything's okay, uh, we actually kind of set our own trap instead of saying, man, Lord, I'm not there right now. And like, that is so powerful because it is that pretending that stops us from getting there. And it is that acknowledgement of where we're at that actually takes us down the path of getting there yeah. to the point where God needs us to be. Exactly. I, I just read a, a powerful statement to me, um, was in this book that I was reading that was talking about this whole distinction that we draw between a religion and a relationship. Mm -hmm. And the author was saying, I've got this sneaking fear that when we say that it's a relationship, not a religion, we mean when we say that, that I, it's loosey-goosey. I can do whatever I want and right. God doesn't really care and there's no rules. And he's like, I don't think we understand a relationship is harder than a religion. You can phone a religion in. All, you can just mail it in all day long. Right. But a relationship takes being present, right. continuing to bring yourself back and being emotionally available and, and respecting the other person. And like, there's a lot more going on in a relationship. Whereas a religion, you can just kind of show up half-heartedly, mail it in and go home, go about your day. Well, you, you know, there's two words there. So in uh, a, a true religion is transactional in nature. Yeah. So if I do this and I'm expected, you know, I go to, to worship at this idol, even back in the day and I, and I present this sacrifice, I expect rain for my crops yeah. or, you know, fertility for my animals or, or something. So I'm doing this and in you better return. do this. It's transactional. Uh, when we, uh, a relationship is transparent Yeah. and we, mm. uh, we are just before an almighty God saying, here's who I am and all my flaws and all my failures. And I come to you in, in my frustrations Yeah. and, and before you completely transparent because this is a relationship. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. Transparent. That really defines, I think what we ought to be striving for. And this Psalm is transparent. It's Psalm 73. If you missed the message on the weekend, please go check it out. Pastor Todd did a great job explaining it. Uh, but one of the things that opens that just feels really striking for a biblical passage is this envy that Asaph has towards the wicked. Right. He envies their lifestyle. He envies the fact that they get to seemingly do whatever they want and reap no consequences for it. So, George, what that kind of got me thinking about is, 
you know, you have just a great wealth of experience and kind of watching the way that the world has worked over a number of years now. Would you say that at this point that we're at in our world, that it's easier to envy the lifestyle of the wicked or has it kind of always been a problem? Has it always been something that you've really had the opportunity to do in our faith or has it almost become a little bit easier? Yeah, I, I would tend to lean toward um, the latter that it's always been a problem. Mm. And I think I think what we do not understand fully, and I don't think we'll understand it this side of eternity, is how broken and fallen this world is. I mean, we tend to even as people think we're okay, you know. Hey, and I probably I'm could a pretty even, good person. Yeah, and I could pull myself up, and I could probably even save myself if I work hard enough. You know, we we don't understand how utterly broken mm. we are, and and so even this concept of the wicked thriving. This may sound weird, but I actually believe this world is set up for them to do because this world is already opposed to God. Mm. It's their world. Mm. So when you have a world that's opposed to God and the rules are being led by the the prince of this world, I always like to share that the worst exchange that was ever made is that Adam and Eve Eve gave up rule and dominion for for death and destruction. They gave it up and they gave it over to the power of this world. And so now this world is operating under a different leader than God. It's operating under God allowing our enemy to, to, to have reign to, to a certain extent on this world. So the fact that the wicked would prosper mm. under the reign of a leader who is wicked, well, yeah. that kind of makes sense that to me. That checks out. That checks yeah. out. It makes sense. Yeah. And so, so you realize what you're doing is it, even me, and I'm guilty of this, I'm looking at people who are, from our perspective, prospering. Mm. And I'm like, man, I want to prosper. Well, you know, then in order to prosper, like so many have, you need to live by a set of rules that after I think through it goes, no, I didn't sign up for that. I signed up to live by a set of rules of the God of all creation. Yeah. Who will one day make this right? Yeah. That's such a great perspective to say, man, even thriving here on this earth isn't what it seems, right? Because all you're doing is thriving in a system of wickedness, which is not thriving at all. It's it's like almost an oxymoron to say that that's thriving, Um, but it does seem as though it's thriving. And I think the age of social media makes it so, this is what even got me thinking this way, is it feels to me as social media is most of what I have known um, throughout my adult life. It feels like it, only puts up the highlights of the wicked, right? Like you see these people who you know that they live a lifestyle opposed to God, that they are not interested in submitting to him. They're not interested in his word or uh, the love that he has for them. And you see them with all of this money, with all of the all of the guys, all of the girls, whatever it is, they've they've got this whole package of a lifestyle and social media is literally designed for them to show it off, Mm -hmm. for them to show off all the different ways that they're prospering. And I thought, man, I wonder if that is almost a a new problem for us or a more recent problem that's spiked for us with the proclivity that's there in social media to just lust after, to envy all of these material things and all of the benefits it seems like they get to reap um, from their lifestyle versus, um, man, sometimes it can just feel like there are almost virtually no benefits in contrast, um, but I think we're just looking in the wrong spots for our benefits of following. Well, and I think I think sometimes we have to really acknowledge some of those benefits are real and tangible. You know, I, I kind of look at us sometimes in if you have a if you're on a passenger train hurtling toward a cliff because the bridge is out, 
and you're all jockeying for, you know, first class. Well, yeah. we can't deny that, you know, the seating and maybe the meal selection and some of those things in first class, man, they are way better than what's back there in, in the back section of the train. Um, but either way, they're going off the same cliff. Mm. And, and, and so we need to even acknowledge the fact that some of those things, maybe having more money and having more things, yeah, that, that probably temporarily gives you some more satisfaction. And you and I both know it, it, it ends up hollow and it doesn't satisfy, yeah. you know, like people would expect it to do. But it's hard to sit there and not go, wow, yeah, that is maybe a little nicer. But at the end of the day, they're all going to the same place yeah. where we will be apart from God forever, apart from the grace of Jesus Christ and and his, his providence in our own lives. And that's yeah. what helps me get a little perspective for that. I actually think that Psalm 103 is a great contrast to this psalm because Psalm 103 starts with, praise the Lord, O my soul, bless the Lord, O my soul, um, forget not all his benefits, right. who forgives all your sin, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, right? Who uh, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And then the best one who satisfies your desires with good things. And I think, man, those are true benefits to following Jesus, to have peace with God, to find healing in peace with God, to see our lives redeemed from destruction, to see us become family members, to, to be crowned as part of God's family. And then, man, to see our desires be met with good things, satisfied in things that are actually good for us instead of things that are harmful for us. I just think those are real benefits to following Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and man, all too often we're um, caught up in this envy of the benefits that we see. But what's interesting, George, is all of the benefits that we see for the coolest celebrities or the most right. influential people, just wait until the documentary comes out because so every true. documentary, right, is they have all this stuff and from the outside they seem like they've got the perfect life and it's all together, but then they've got all these problems that right. all that money creates problems, all that sex with all these different people creates new problems. It just, they're creating all of these problems that are just happening behind the scenes. That's why it's such a great point this weekend that Pastor Todd made of you only see what's enviable about right. that person's life. You, there's this whole other shoe that you don't see has dropped in their life as well. And then you get to see the real story in the documentary and you realize, I don't think I actually want that life. Right. And that's so true. You know, you had mentioned uh, Instagram earlier, and that's so true on how that works because you get this carefully cropped photo that shows you exactly what it's intended to show you and the reality is so much larger. And yeah. that's a great reminder. Yeah, so I think we got to stay cognizant of that in our own life. And how would you say we keep perspective, right? We're almost, social media is one of the things that's discipling us every day. We right. see it, it's before us all the time. We see articles about billionaires buying Twitter. And I mean, we see all or, of these or different, not. or not, or pulling out. <laughs> or pull. uh, we see all the articles of all these different things going on in our world with people who have reaped the benefits of a, a wicked world. And so how do we keep our perspective when it just seems like the wicked are prospering time and again? You know, and, and I go back to that, you know, kind of weird analogy I gave you about a train, Yeah. you know, going off the cliff and why everyone's fighting for their place in first class. You have those that have actually found a way to be saved from that. Mm. And they're out there saying, hey, hey, here's a way to be rescued from the impending doom that you seem to be, you're ignoring because of all your jostling to get into first class. Yeah. And I think for us as believers, the more we look at all the things that are gonna pass away in this world is somehow attractive, we're gonna lose perspective. But when we see our mission, 
that Jesus Christ gave us to go out and make disciples, to change the world, to change our world for Jesus Christ, the more we focus on that, I believe that helps us keep perspective because it reminds us of eternity. It reminds us that this world is fading away, it's passing, and that we are given mm. a mission yeah. to see people rescued. And whether that's, you know, if if, if, a, mil if a billionaire uh, person who may or may not have invented an electric car or something, yeah. <laughs> uh, want, you know, was in ROA costs, or, or someone who has a far significantly less resources that are in ROA costs, man, when we focus on the mission, I think it actually changes us and helps us keep perspective. Mm. Yeah, that's so true because what's so powerful is that we're not just saved from our sin, but then we're saved to God, we're saved to his people, we're saved to a mission. And that new purpose, that new reality in our life, um, I, I love in um, 2 Corinthians when Paul says that the, the love of God controls him. It right. compels him. He like can't do anything about it but be on mission because right. the love of God is, is restricting his life now. He's got this mission right. and he's got this thing that he's all about. And the love of God has just kind of forced him into that because he just can't help but do anything else with his exactly. life. And it also, it frames the different things in your life. So um, when you're out for the pursuit of your resources, man, you're tense because you have to protect those, you have mm -hmm. to save those, you have to give more, you know, it's never enough. It's but if, stockpiling and exactly. stockpiling. But if suddenly you realize, no, my main reason is to be a blessing to the people that God has placed in my oikos mm -hmm. and to leverage my resources for his kingdom, it changes my whole attitude. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, relationships, how people might pursue multiple relationships to find their satisfaction. We may envy people maybe potentially say, wow, you have all these different relationships with people of the opposite sex. And, and, and then we recognize, wait a minute, the Bible makes it very clear that my relationship to my wife is one of the main ways I communicate the gospel. I mean, you read Ephesians 5, yeah. like the, the way that my wife and I love each other and are committed to each other is a demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's keeping us on mission that redefines everything. Mm. In, in my life. Yeah, no, it's so good. And I, and I think that missional perspective, it frames it so that we stop looking at, it changes the influence, right? We're no longer influenced by what we're seeing on social media saying, man, I want that. But instead we're saying, man, I have this thing that is so good. I have this grace, this love that's been shown to me that is so good. And now it's not about me being influenced by them, but man, I wanna go influence them. I, they don't have this. Like they can buy everything, but they can't buy this. And I wanna make sure that they know just how good God has been to me. Um, and that totally changes your perspective. It does. It's, and it changes the way that you're influenced by those things because all of a sudden I think as you become more mature in that mission, in that walk, those things seem less appealing because you're almost so consumed. Like the, the love of God compels me, it controls me, it, it pushes me towards this. Amen, Yeah. That's so true. And so what would you say, George, are some practical things this week coming out of this, thinking about contentment, even spiritual contentment? What are some things we can do to lean into contentment this week? Sure. And even, it's interesting, because that was a kind of a topic we landed on in our tangible yeah, takeaway with, with Jack. Uh, Jack that I yeah. had to lead there. And, and so I, if, if I'm, I think I'm going to repeat something, yeah. but it's so critical. It's thankfulness for me that leads me toward contentment. And, and the secret of contentment is, is not being in a position you might not want something that um, maybe a nicer, newer car or a, maybe a bigger house or a, a different job with a, a promotion and different benefits. Uh, none of those are inherently wrong. Yeah. But it, 
when I approach things from an attitude of gratitude, where I am, I am grateful for everything God has given me, then as I approach something that I might have as a desire at my heart, I recognize that if I'm content with my house or my car or my job or whatever that is, if I'm content, then that's the best place for me to be led by God if I should make a move, yeah. if I should pursue something else. It all comes out of that attitude of contentment. Mm. And that, is, that has been critical, um, the keys to me, is just being okay where God has me until it makes it very clear that I can um, pursue my mission equally as well or maybe even better by making that new decision. Yeah. And, and that new decision won't compromise yeah. my ability to do what God's called me to do. I love that. Yeah, we really need to embrace, uh, um, you know, I think often in our, in our worship, we want it to be very free flowing, right? We want it to feel kind of natural and organic. But in some ways, George, I think we need to come back to a liturgy of thankfulness. Mm -hmm. This kind of forcing myself to come back and say, no, there's a ton in my life to be thankful for. There's a ton that God has done for me. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to lose sight of that. I want to rehearse the benefits. Right. I don't want a day to go by where I don't rehearse the benefits of doing life with God. Because otherwise I get all weird. I lose perspective right. and, and my life, get, I start to be influenced by what I see on social media and say, I want that. Instead of remembering, man, there's such great benefit to doing life with God. And that leads me, George, even to my thought on contentment. I just think, I, this has been brewing in me as I've been kind of thinking over some different themes throughout scripture and preparing a couple different messages coming up. But I, I just am so, um, I'm realizing, I feel like we have lost the sense that Jesus's way is better. Hmm. I think as a, as a culture in our, in not just HDC, but in the church, we've kind of embraced this like, well, things are a bummer for right now, but it'll be better in heaven, which obviously everything's going to be better in heaven. But life is better now with Jesus. His way is better now. It's not like we don't have to be embarrassed of it. We don't have to hide behind it. Like he has a protective heart for us for what is best for us. He doesn't tell us to do something or not do something because he wants to keep us from good. He's he's protecting our good by saying don't do that. Focus on this. Like his way is actually better. It's not like I'm sacrificing right now so that I can enjoy better life later. I enjoy better life with Jesus now. Like I don't need to, I don't need to have this kind of cowardice about following Jesus and be kind of embarrassed. Like, yeah, well, we just kind of hold on to this because, you know, hopefully one day we'll get to have an enjoyable life. Life with Jesus is better now and his ways are better. And I just think we've lost the, I just look at this last June with all of the different things I saw going on with people my age on social media, reacting to Pride Month, reacting to Roe versus Wade, and just kind of this sense that in my generation, we have forgotten that Jesus's way is better. Right. That we're almost trying to hyper-contextualize ourselves and say like, well, you know, let's let's open it up because it, it just doesn't make sense to be that restrictive or whatever. Man, it's not my call. Jesus's way is better though. And so I need to have the faith to say, man, this culturally feels like a nightmare to hold on to this ethic, to hold on to this thing to believe. This is hard to do, but I don't just do it so that I can go to heaven. Like that's not the end goal. I do it because it's better for me. Mm -hmm. It's better for me to value human life. It's better for me to look at marriage this way. It's better for me to operate within this context because Jesus's way is better right it's not just right it's better john 10 10 
He says, Jesus speaking, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Yeah. And I love that verse. I always go back to that passage because Jesus came to give us right now, not just in heaven, but a full life. And I think so often you're right. We start chasing other things to to find fulfillment, to get our life full of, of other things we're chasing after. And we will never, ever have the benefit. And I think, man, you hit the nail right on the head. Do we believe Jesus was right? Yeah. Do we believe what he said was true? Yeah. And if that's the case, then we need to pursue right after what he called us to in all those areas. And I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have that distinction where maybe, you know, growing up in church, we might believe, okay, Jesus is correct about a lot of things, but he's a bummer or he's just, it's like, no, he's not just right. He's better. Like he's right and better. Like that's the perfect combination. That's a full life. He's right about everything, but he's also better. Like it's better for me to listen to him because he protects me and he's a good father and he looks out for me and his way is not just like a way of oppression. It's a way of life. It's a way that is truly wholesomely better for me. And I think, man, if we can shift our focus to not be like, oh yeah, you know, I follow Jesus, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Or like, man, I'm kind of bending the way that Jesus has bent, has built things because I don't trust that he's better. But man, if we can come back to a place that we say, no, I really believe that Jesus is better, that his way is better, then man, I think we'll see a lot more contentment in following him. You should preach that. (laughs) We'll get around to it. Okay. Uh, No, George, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoy this every time, Jackson. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, and hopefully you've got a tangible takeaway coming out of this week's message. As always, we'd love to know about it there in the comments. Don't forget to like the video, maybe share it with a friend, and subscribe so that you get future videos as well. Uh, With that said, that's all we have for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.